Entrepreneur on Fire 460. Mix a little inspiration with perspiration and a dash of Entrepreneur on Fire. Now you have the ingredients to success. Here's the master chef, John Lee Dumas. Looking for a no-strings-attached kind of deal? That's what I like. Here's one. Sign up with audiobooks.com and you'll get your first book for free today. No strings attached. Go to audiobooks.com slash fire. 2014 is your year to make things happen and it all starts with organizing your business for full efficiency. Go to evoice.com and get $5 off every month for life when you enter promo code FIRE. That's evoice.com, promo code FIRE. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Peter Jackson. Peter, are you prepared to ignite? Ha! Well, you know it. Oh, yeah. Peter loves to engage people in ideas with the intention of formulating disruptive applications that change markets. He has been involved with hundreds of business models. Through a handful of those models, he has built world-class teams, services, and products. I've given our listeners just a little overview, Peter, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. I had to uh, become an entrepreneur because I didn't think anybody else would hire me uh, after I went to Cal Berkeley. Uh, actually, that's not true. I, I did go work for a tech company, and you know, having been a history major, I um, I don't know what it was, but I was the guy in the house uh, in college that could rewire so that everybody could have a free phone. Uh, you know, I was really good technically, and it wasn't there wasn't an engineer in my family. Um, but I, you know, I, I love to think out of the box and do things differently. My mom was a special ed teacher that taught completely deaf and blind people how to communicate through vibration. So I, I kind of had a lot of those people around my house all the time because the school was across the street. So I sort of looked at innovative ways to do things differently and, and had been born and raised around that. Um, so that sort of defined me when I got married and had kids. You know, I put the, the mortgage at risk and did everything else just based on the fact that I'm a dreamer and I like to do ideas. Um, and that turned out to be, you know, very, very successful for me at time and also painful at other times. Well, Peter, you have obviously a fascinating journey, which we're going to dive into here at Entrepreneur on Fire. But before we do, we always start with a success quote to really get that motivational ball rolling, to get people fired up for this interview. So, Peter... Take it away. I had I've been using this quote uh, for as long as I can remember, and I wanted to credit it to Kaiser, uh, you know, who kind of came out to the West during the you know gold rush, uh, and, uh, and instead of going and looking uh, for gold, he, you know, he built the grocery store, the hardware store, and eventually the hospitals and the aluminum companies and everything else. And he used the quote that says, you know, find a need and fill it. Um, and that was a quote that I've always looked at when I've decided to be disruptive. You know, I learned many years later that it was actually a quote that he took from somebody else. And it was a woman, uh, who lived to be about a hundred, let's see, she lived to be 101 and died in 2008. And it was Ruth Stafford Peel, who was the wife of, uh, of a preacher or a reverend, um, who was the author also of the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. So it, the quote itself is find a need and fill it. 
Boom. Well, that's exactly what I do with Entrepreneur on Fire, Peter. When I saw there wasn't a seven day a week business podcast that was interviewing inspiring entrepreneurs like yourself and sharing their journey, what's been an example of you finding a need and filling it? And John, you're right. I think what you're doing is great because I think if you think about what you provide, there's so many people out there who have ideas uh, and I've mentored hundreds of them. Um, but it's really good to hear other entrepreneurs and have an environment that sort of says, wow, I didn't realize I was going to go through that trap. So I just wanted to you know, do a little shout out that Thank says, you. I think what you guys are doing is wonderful. Um, as far as what I'm doing now, um, I really have been fortunate in the sense that all of the technology that seems to be developed these days um, has always been around uh, generally, I should say, men coming out of MIT, Stanford, uh, Harvard that are getting funded by these venture firms, uh, but it's primarily men with men-based thinking products. So at the basis of our conversation today, I get to share the fact that I've built a lot of companies. I've been around a lot of successes and a fair share of failures, uh, but this is probably going to be my greatest success. I'm really looking forward to diving into that, Peter, but what I really want to do now is focus on your journey as an entrepreneur because you've had those successes and we're going to talk about those. You've had those great ideas and those aha moments and we're going to talk about those, but let's start with a failure. Let's start with you telling us a story of a time that you fell flat in your face when you had to really reach down deep within and pick yourself up. Tell us that story, Peter. Take us there with you. And what were the lessons you learned? It's a good story. I'm not sure it's a, a great lesson to, to repeat, but uh, I think with uh, it was a very compelling moment at various times of my startups that uh, were, you know, at, at forks in the road, uh, some of which might have hit the, the fork would have gone right in the trash can. But um you know, when you're, when you're raising money for venture capital in the Silicon Valley, um, it, you know, it's a very parsnickety group up on Sand Hill. And uh, if you were blessed enough to get into a cycle with them or one of them, it, it, the word travels fast. And if it's with one of the elite ones, and in this case of this story, it was Kleiner Perkins, and uh, it was with John Doerr, um, who is, you know, famous for little companies like you know, Amazon and uh, Sun Micro, uh, Dell Computer, amongst many others. But uh, one of the things that sort of uh, stood out to me as I went through the process was I knew I was going to be covered as I went through it because I'd been a friend of John's through an organization that I participated in called YPO. Um, and what happens in the venture world, and, and that hasn't changed a lot, some are different, but this is a sort of what happens is you get a partner that sort of endorses your model and they start to kick the tire and then they get a junior associate to run, you know, the cohorts and the matrix, the competitors and all that stuff. And then they come back and say, Hey, we're really moving forward. We have a lot of interest. Um, at which point they say there's this thing that's really kind of a rubber stamp and you have to uh, go before all of the partners. And in this case, it was William Randolph Hearst. And as I said, John Doerr, there was probably a good 40, 50, and it's a conference table that looks like it's about 25 yards long. It's this enormous room, and it's at the very top of Sand Hill uh, down near Stanford. And, um, you know, I got in there, and, you know, you've you got to remain calm. You've got to act confident as you're going through your model and where you're going and why it's going to be game-changing. And, and we had had some good acceleration. You know, the body language wasn't great, but I kept reminding myself that, you know, when you're talking to people, pretend everybody is naked 
So I kept smiling and kind of, you know, trying to stay giddy and stay with it. <laughs> and uh, as I said earlier, I felt John Dorn knew me pretty well from this organization. I had dinner a number of times, but John's just a real thinker. Uh, he's not a real social guy. Uh, and I remember when he finished the, I finished it, he came out and shook my hand. He said, good job, Tim. And I suddenly realized that I knew who he was and he really had no idea who I was <laughs> or he didn't really remember. <laughs> so here I was thinking I was in really good shape on this thing. And suddenly I sort of took that as a bad omen or bad tea leaves. And they said, well, we'll get back to you tonight. And uh, the partner that was supporting me said, don't worry about it. You did a great job. You nailed it. We'll get to the numbers tomorrow. When I got back to the office, there were a half a dozen other VCs that wanted to tack on. Can I get a million or two million of this thing? How much is Kleiner taking? What's the price? It's, well, I haven't heard back from them. I expect to hear back from them at the end of the day. Well, another day goes by and I don't hear from them. Um, and it just happened to be my wife's birthday. And we were all going out with family for dinner. And uh, I got the call at about 4.30 um, that they decided they changed their mind. They couldn't get a couple partners confident that uh, they could back me. And I had payroll that was due in 45 days. This was you know, going to be bad if I don't raise money. So I quickly called a couple of these other VCs and they all said, oh, you know, uh, Kleiner's out. You know, we need to revisit as well. You know, hey, you know, thanks. You know, we'll get back to you. So I suddenly felt this great insecurity that I wasn't going to get anything. Uh, I ended up going uh, to dinner and um, I was very upset, but I didn't want to let my wife know because her birthday and I was worried I wasn't going to make payroll. And so, you know, you're going through all that stress. And I happened to have too much rum that night. And I remember I got back and I got on my computer and I um, and I decided I was going to write John Doerr a letter. And I started off by saying, I want to make it clear, my name is Peter, not Tim. And uh, what process you put me through has put me through a lot of stress. And then, you know, the, the lesson learned here is you just don't do that. You don't whine. You suck up and you take it and you move on and you do all that. So in this case, I wrote a grenade and I decided I wasn't going to send it. I was going to walk around the block. But then in a fleeting moment, I pounded the mouse. And off went the email. Seven o'clock the next day, I got a call from the junior partner saying, what in the heck did you do to John Doerr? I said, uh, well, I, you know, I sort of kind of, you know, sent this email. <laughs> and he goes, because he's going to fund. He was able to convince the other partners and we're all good to go. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what lesson you want to take from that in terms of failure or not, but I, I, I've been at the bottom there because I was pretty sure I was going to have to shut down. But... You know, I didn't give up hope at the very bottom. So I wouldn't exactly call it a failure, but I call it a lesson at failure. How about at the darkest moment, there still exists a ray of hope? Exactly. I think that's a good quote, and I'll credit it to you, John. <laughs> like, just made it up on the spot. I'm yeah. sure other people have said those exact words at some point, but I can't attribute it to anybody either. But that's a fascinating story, Peter. And that's what I love about you. You're such a great storyteller. And you really take us there with you. And that's the power of Entrepreneur on Fire. You know, we just don't talk about tools, tips, and tactics. We talk about stories of entrepreneurs. And our listeners can now resonate with you, Peter. They feel like they know you. They're like, wow, I can see myself in that situation. Or I've been in that situation. And <laughs> we, you, we all have. You know, it's so true. And what I want to do now is go from that dark moment that you did see that ray of hope and you grabbed onto it and great things happened. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum, which is the light bulbs that we have, the aha moments when you're like, wow, this is me. This is Peter Jackson. This resonates with my authentic self. Peter, what was 
a moment like that for you at some point in your journey. Tell us that story. Again, take us there and walk us through the steps that you took to turn it into a success. It always turns out to be uh, a person or a couple of people that have either deep knowledge, but a different tool belt. You know, some, in, in all my cases, I was able to partner with somebody who really understood things about uh, the idea uh, and, and, and you could collaborate and have the aha moment because it, 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 in a lot of circumstances, it, you only have part of the picture. You don't really have history maybe in the industry. You may not have any idea how to code in JavaScript or whether that code is, is capable. And, and I think, and like I said, I think this is of all the ventures and I've done a couple of public companies. This is probably the greatest one. I think the aha moment was a person and the technology. The person was Sandy Brever. Um, she ran Arthur Anderson's retail practice. She was a managing director. She knew everything about women and she knew everything about the fact that women uh, represent 80% of the GNP, the $2.2 trillion annual GNP. And she knew that there was a huge opportunity to take clutter out of purses and that more and more receipts by retailers being offered as e-receipts or emails. And she knew more and more people were getting bothered by spam. So, cause she was a shopper too. And she knew that retailers are struggling against Amazon's presence as the Darth Vader in the industry of selling stuff. And she sort of knew retailers had to get more intimate to them. So she had really good female knowledge of it. And my partner really, uh, Paul, who I've done a couple of companies with, and digital distribution, and we were the first SaaS company that was behind Netscape being able to deliver things on the internet and all that. So we really knew how to build delivery systems. We figured out that we could actually take a physical piece of paper in one meeting, in this aha meeting, where I got Sandy in the room for the first time with Paul, and Paul says, we could build technology, it could be expensive or difficult, that could take a paper receipt and make it digital and organize it for people. So if they took pictures of hundreds of receipts, it would get organized by store or by item or by date. So when they had to go find it for a proof of purchase or a warranty, or they had to bring it for a return, it could be suddenly digestible and usable from a phone at a store rather than having to shuffle through a purse. So when Paul said he could take that technology and convert complete paper to digital, and Sandy said, Women have hundreds of pieces of paper a week that they manage. The combination of that was, oh my God, this could be an incredibly large market. And what year was that, Peter? That was less than 12 months ago. Wow. So we're talking about something that's very recent, very relevant to today's entrepreneurs, to today's small business owners, to today's civilian, let's be honest, people that are walking around every single day with pieces of paper. That's an aha moment that happened to you. So let's break this down for Fire Nation into a lesson, a takeaway that you want us to really grasp from this experience you had. If you're an entrepreneur, and you are, John, and, I, and I'm assuming your audience uh, is up there as well. Totally. I think the painful part is that as an entrepreneur, you kick ideas around. Uh, and in my case, I do it all the time. You know, I'm nonstop looking at processes and whether this is right or wrong or whether it's possible 
or whether you can have a bunch of interviews with entrepreneurs and make a business of it. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think the thing for me is that uh, it's really hard to have back on your last question, an aha moment, because you actually spend for every 10 ideas you have nine, sometimes all 10 of them never get the aha. And people come to me and they go, hey, what if we built a company where everybody took pictures at stores and the things they're thinking about buying and and put them on Facebook? And I'm like, okay, that's great. But how do you make money doing that? Or how does that, what does that mean? Well, everybody's got a phone and everybody's shopping, but people get to the point where they don't, it's difficult. Like, how do I build that technology? Oh, I guess I could use Instagram or, you know, in the tech market, there are so many ideas and I hear them all the time, but you end up defeating them. And I think that it, you, as an entrepreneur, if that's what you want to be, you've got to keep purifying your idea and know that you're right. And don't think that just because people aren't doing it now, they're going to suddenly change their behavior because you came out with something slick. These things take a long time. They need a lot of money and they need to, and you need to be right. <laughs> and so you don't want to jump in because you could disrupt your whole life. Great insights, Peter. What's your proudest entrepreneurial moments? I mean, you have to sort it in two things. I think when you change markets and make them better, keep in mind, I eliminated uh, the CD and the diskette with Introware. Uh, That was a company I took public in 1999. So the concept behind that in 96 was that, well, the internet should be a delivery engine that delivers all software for Oracle, IBM, and everything else. We should be shipping boxes. If the internet is powerful enough, we could just deliver it right to a computer and it should be using. So, you know, that was really great because I think we saved the environment a lot. We, we cut a lot of waste in terms of cost. Most people get their updates, bug fixes, patches, maybe lined against walls and IT things. So, you know, that was good because we really changed the way technology and IT and everything else was developed and integrated. Um, you know, my personal, uh, my personal thing is that it wasn't the day I went public. It was more the day that I actually changed a lot of people's lives because, you know, I had friends who scraped together $25,000 to invest in me in 96 that suddenly made two, $3 million. And when that happened, you know, this it, you get a Cheshire grin. I mean, you're like, hey, man, I remember one lady called me up. She was always criticizing me because of this, that, or the other thing. And I have $25,000 with you. You know, what's going on with that? You know, she's just... <laughs> Kind of being funny, but we all have a friend like that that likes to bust you. And uh, she called me up. She was crying. And she goes, I just want to say thank you. My kids can go to college. And, you know, to me, you know, I made a fair amount of money. Sure, that felt great. But it felt a lot greater when I could see people that I knew from school or college or family or friends that sort of backed me and I was able to give them something back. It was a lot of risk that went into that. But the other side of it was it was just unbelievable. Peter, I mean, that's the definition of a proud moment. And you are such a storyteller. I love it. And I can just see every one of the audience of Entrepreneur on Fire, all hundreds of thousands of Fire Nation that's listening, thinking, wow, that would be such a proud moment for me. If I could give back to those people that supported me back when it was much more than a risk, there wasn't even an end in sight at that time. I mean, that's powerful. That gets my blood flowing. That makes me almost want to go start collecting money from my friends and family just so I can someday do that for them. <laughs> exactly. I think that it's when you go to raise money and you know, everybody's like, oh, Christ, here comes John. Right. He's going to ask for a dollar. <laughs> you know. But when you come back and go, hey, here's three, um, 
you know, sort of validates a lot of risk that you're taking. You know, you're taking a lot of stress by taking money, especially for mom and dad if they don't really have it. I mean, I don't know. Your entrepreneurs could be anywhere from small entrepreneurs doing a small business model to somebody who wants to build a public company. It doesn't really matter. But you got to raise a lot of money. And the last thing you want to do is call those people up and tell them they have a tax write-off. <laughs> and then, of course, there's those that say, Peter, I'm not giving you a dollar. You're doing a dumb dumb thing here. You should stop. Go get a corporate job. And then, you know, 10 years later, they're like, wow, what would $10,000 be worth today? That's a really good comment, John. And I think that, you know, most people I know, um, they end up, it's like, if you succeed, I'm going to be pissed because I do have my corporate job. (laughs) I'd much rather be doing something else that you know, with that I'm more passionate about. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really about passion. You can tell really how passionate you are and, you know, and, and what you do and how well you do it and why so many people connect to you and through you and, and are inspired by you. It's because you're carrying so much passion around that. If you were just doing this as part of some radio show, uh, Lord knows where, and that's all you did, you'd have, you're going to work for somebody else that sells advertising for your show And that's all you do. So, you know, you are very passionate because you're an entrepreneur. That's why I love it when people take on and do something themselves because they get very passionate. They don't get very passionate when they can't put food on the table. They don't get passionate when they can't pay back their investors. But if you can find a path to do something on your own, you will end up when you die feeling really good that you did something you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. Peter, I love that you broke it down that way because it is so true. And I see other entrepreneurs succeeding when they go about it in that way. When I, when I launched Entrepreneur on Fire, I knew that I was not going to be monetizing in the first few months. That's just not how these businesses work. But now here we sit just a little over a year later, generating over six figures every single month with Entrepreneur on Fire because we went forward with that mentality. And there are other entrepreneurs out there who have taken that same path and are seeing similar results. So it's a great lesson for entrepreneurs. And Peter, what I want to do right now is talk about present times. Talk about today. Talk to us about Peter Jackson and what's exciting you right now. Well, today's kind of a special day because um, every time we get a write-up about our company um, and it gets in the right vein, uh, I have coded technology that uh, because I'm sort of addicted to sort of the passion and the process and all that, that actually sends me a text when an activity occurs in my business. Uh, you know, in the time I've talked to you, I'm, I've gotten about 75 texts. And those are new users, uh, active users adding receipts, tracking uh, where it's happening. You know, we've got a fair amount happening internationally today. Miami's really hot. You know, it's the Christmas season, so you've got a lot of people in New York buying. So there's a lot of documents flowing through our system where, you know, as I said earlier, this was just an idea less than a year ago. So seeing that and being a part of it and, and then and having the tools that sort of tell me what's happening, what's happening in real time is uh, is pretty is pretty amazing, actually. I have a hard time sleeping because I know my phone's sitting over there and I can actually see the activity going off. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you on behalf of Fire Nation for not having your notification sounds on. Yes, it's a ping. It sounds like it's obnoxious. I think people in the office are sick of me. But I try to say it's like every time a bell rings, a, a woman gets her zip loop. 
<laughs> I love it. Let's take a minute now to thank our sponsors. Aren't we so lucky to have the ability to listen to podcasts instantly no matter where we are? Now you can do the same with audiobooks. Audiobooks.com allows you to download audiobooks to your Apple or Android device for offline listening, or you can stream them instantly. That means easy access to your great content in the car or the gym. And if you're not a huge fan of listening on your smartphone, you can still stream books on audiobooks.com using your PC or tablet. Here's how easy it is to get started. Head over to audiobooks.com slash fire. Choose from more than 40,000 titles. Don't forget about those business book recommendations you've been hearing on EO Fire. Check out their great membership benefits like one audiobook per month and 33% off additional titles. Sample a couple of books here and there to find the perfect ones. And then get your first book for free when you sign up. It's all at audiobooks.com slash fire. So you want to start looking a little more professional with your business, eh? I know, it's tough when you have a lot to handle but don't have a ton of resources. But with things like incoming calls, you or one of your business partners being on the line can mean the difference between landing a new client or not. No, no, no. See, that's the best part. You don't even have to hire a secretary to achieve this. What I'm talking about is getting a service like eVoice, which allows you to set up a professional greeting with call routing tools and also gives you the option to set up your own dial-by-name directory. This way, you can spend more time focusing on the task at hand, less time fumbling around with your notes and call transfers. If this sounds like something that could help your business save time, go to eVoice.com. Enter FIRE at checkout for $5 off every month, forever. That's evoice.com, promo code FIRE. Let's move into what my favorite part of the interview is, and that's the lightning round, because this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us, FIRE Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Risk. I had children, <laughs> I had a wife, I had a mortgage. Um, I had a very steady job, I was making a lot of money, uh, but I was missing something in my heart. So, you know, I said, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna sit out and do this, and I didn't have a lot of support, like you said, from friends, family. Um, everybody said, Pete, you're crazy, you're on your way to become, you know, running a big company, why would you wanna go do this on your own? But, you know, the biggest thing was holding me back was just that, everybody said, Pete, look, Nine out of 10 businesses fail and, you know, you're taking a huge risk and you're about to have a kid. Those golden handcuffs can be tricky to disengage. <laughs> that is well said. What is the best advice, Peter, you have ever received? I think you've got to be super shrewd about uh, who you hire. Um, and everybody's got a, you know, a, a cousin or a, or a relative or something that needs a job. Um, as opposed to just, you know, drawing the boxes of the things that you need to get done and who would fill, what is the criteria of the perfect scenario in that box of the things that person could do in and outside that box and how would their aura be and their attitude be at work? Would it be an oldest child? Would it be a middle child? Would it be a youngest child? Would it be somebody with 20 years of experience? Would it be somebody who just got their MBA? And figure all that out before you actually figure out who you're going to hire and say, who is the A person? Who fits that role? And if you can do that and you interview 100 people just to find that A person, 
you're going to succeed because you already built your blueprint. So the best advice I had was I was told by somebody much younger than me, and he built a company called Eventbrite. He was behind PayPal, amongst others, a guy named Kevin Hartz. And he told me, go tirelessly at hiring A people. And if you hire someone you think is an A person, and it turns out you were wrong because the interview process is quick, sometimes too quick, get rid of them right away and find another A person. Peter, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? I think people are driven, uh, for me, um, you know, why we do this is it for money. And we've talked earlier in this interview about passion. Um, I know I, I come from an athletic background. Um, I was a college athlete. Uh, I was on a seven-time winning a U.S. national rugby team called the Old Blues. I cared about winning. I cared about the competition. I, I, I believe that, uh, that that's what drove me. It wasn't how much I had in my pocketbook. You know, that was a byproduct of me competing. But in my first job, there were 300 salespeople. And the first day they came out, the first month they came out with the rankings for sales. And I was like number 300. And that pissed me off more than anything. And all I cared about was being number one. And I didn't sleep. I worked weekends to get there. Like, I'm so competitive. And the paychecks were great when they came in. It was just a byproduct of being competitive. You know, I think on a side note, I raised my kids to be that way. Like, be competitive, be honorable, but compete. And, you know, my oldest son was, you know, drafted in the first round by the Chicago Cubs and plays for him. You know, my second son was drafted by the San Francisco Giants. He plays for Stanford. I have another son who's going to play college ball. My daughter works at AdRoll, which is one of the top tech companies. I caught my kids to be competitors and to go out and beat and win, not in a malicious sense, but if you're going to be in the game, you got to give 110%, and that should motivate you, not money. I'm all about the competition, and I learned the value of being competitive while I served in the Army, Peter, when I was an officer in the U.S. Army for four years, and I saw what competition could do, not only to your standing, but to the standing of your platoon and those around you. And when I applied that to the civilian world, I really started seeing the results and have always done that ever since. And that's why I love iTunes rankings and I love climbing those rankings and being a top-ranked business podcast. And entrepreneurs out there that have that same desire and drive, they'll put in that extra effort, they'll put in that extra time to be number one. And Peter, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? Well, it's native, you know, so for us, it's, you know, I think so many of the off-the-shelf apps that we use that are very powerful for us are obviously the social media tools. But more importantly, keep in mind, we're in the shopping industry. So we study, you know, 500 retailers every day, what they're discounting, what fashion, what's the color. By the way, it's green for men, dark green for men this winter. Uh, <laughs> you know, we study Pinterest and Twitter and the blogs. We just got written up today on Style Me Pretty, which has about 2 million views talking about how we're the best shopping organizer for weddings. Um, so really there's a lot of tools out there in the blog, social networking stuff that, that I like. The native app that I speak of goes back to the one that I actually built, you know, your Facebook type board where it tells me how many users are online right now, where and how, what their activities are. Um, and so it helps me get a better understanding of how I can better serve the consumer, but I see it real time and it sits in front of the whole cu- 
cust- uh, company. It's this big board, electronic board, and it, it moves in and out of maps. So I would say that's the best native app, but the best app that people can utilize is for really, I'm, I'm telling you right now, manage your Facebook corporate site well. Manage your iTunes well, like you do, John, better than anybody. Manage all of those technology areas. And if you're in the entrepreneur business or you're in my shopping business, know everything about everybody who would care about the content. Because if you're just a Twitter handle talking about yourself, people don't want to follow you. But if you're a Twitter handle that talks about everything that the audience really wants to learn about, you're going to have a huge following and it's only going to help you build your business bigger. Totally agreed. And we just had Gary Vaynerchuk, an entrepreneur on fire, and he shared some incredible information, 86 detailed studies on just that. And Entrepreneur on Fire was doing a lot of things right. We were doing a lot of things wrong. We've shifted those wrong things and it's powerful when you do become that source of adding value. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to all this great stuff that we're talking about at eofire.com slash Peter Jackson. And Peter, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? I'm inspired by, obviously, the book that was written in 72. It took place at my alma mater in Berkeley, but it was called The Peaceful Warrior. Um, But it's sort of this sort of existential way of understanding how to manage your soul and your spirit and and how to deep breathe, but it's also how to compete. It, It takes place with an Olympic athlete. But another Olympic athlete book that, you know, we all probably have read more recently really teaches you about perseverance uh, and creative nature, and it was unbroken. You know, I can't wait to see the movie, but, you know, here's this soldier. He already won Olympic medals. You know, he was shipped off in the in the war against Japan after Pearl Harbor. You know, the guy should have been dead six or seven times, and his treatment in these Japanese war, you know, prison camps, and I don't know how he stayed alive. I think he came back to the U.S. weighing 65 pounds, uh, you know, completely abused, but he was able to forgive um, and he was able to move on and he, he went back to, to even seek out the people that abused him. So it was about forgiveness. It was about love. It's about perseverance and survival. And it kind of makes anything else that happens in my life pale in comparison, because if you're strong enough to overcome that, okay, you can't make your car payment. Okay. You, you can't make your house payment or things are so stressful. You can't do this. When you really think about it, nobody's taking away your soul and, 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 and your passion and everything else. And I think, all of the items that he didn't have, almost not even his life, he was able to persevere. So I, I like those kinds of things as they inspire me because I think it just puts things in perspective, you know? Absolutely, Peter. That is an epic book, one that I've written. And one, it's one of those books that's just been reviewed thousands and thousands of times on Amazon. So you know people are passionate about it because they're going back and writing reviews about how incredible that this book is. And Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. So if you want the audio version of this book for free, go to eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Peter, this next question is the last question of the lightning rounds, but it is a doozy. Imagine you woke up in a brand new world. Identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter taken care of but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I would keep $100 for transportation. I don't, I don't know what area I'm in. Um, I would probably um, 
I would give close to the rest um, to charity uh, and maybe give it to a charity like Live Memorial Church in San Francisco. And in return for the fact that I can help serve meals, uh, you know, every day with all the different companies that come in. At which point I think that I can integrate and meet new people that are actually both givers, uh, but also they're successful business people because they're pushing their companies to do this and all that. And I would do that with the hopes that I could end up being part of something they're doing to help them innovate and be disruptive uh, and become successful again, like I have in the past, just sort of associating and being associated with charity and giving and, you know, the types of people that look at the world in, uh, in all aspects, not just how much they make, but how much they give. Um, and I think just getting there, if you try to take $500 and you try to build a business and, and be innovative, that's sort of just self-serving. But I think if you can go help and assist others do that, you know, you're already getting fed. Uh, you know, I keep the, I keep the computer, um, you know, because I'm going to have to communicate, um, you know, and to make sure that I'm writing up and doing the things that are going to help this new business. And, you know, maybe I do separate a hundred dollars for a mobile phone, uh, so that I can stay connected because I am a, a big fan of being connected. Peter, from the very first moments on this interview, all the way through the end, you have been nothing short of inspiring. So I thank you for that. And let's end this interview by you giving Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, sharing the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. You know, I'm honored to be on this show, and, and I'm honored to be associated with anybody who wants to be not an entrepreneur. And I'm honored to be with the guy who was, who was in the Army and learned a lot about being a team. So uh, I'm always available to help. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be a big shout out. Uh, and I knew about this. I had... Other people tell me about you. Uh, my brother also was in the army, and uh, and he came out and he was worried about what he was going to do next. And you know, he ended up being a VP at Wells Fargo, and he barely got his his high school degree, but he learned a lot. He pressured. He, he became an entrepreneur. You know, he got moved up through that, and it's because of people like you that inspire others that that, that people end up loving what they do for a living, not just being a parent uh, or a friend or a family member but what they do when they go to work every day, because Lord knows all of us have to do that. You honor me, Peter. And what's the best way that we can either find or connect with you? I think the best way, you know, you can follow my Twitter handle, which is PHJackson5, you know, at PHJackson5. Nothing to do with Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, it was actually my college number. Uh, and then my my email address is uh, PHJackson5 at gmail.com. Wow, Peter, you have just been so inspiring through and through. Thank you for sharing all these golden nuggets. And Fire Nation is truly aware that they can find all these resources, all of this goodness at eofire.com. Click on the podcast tab because you are hanging out in the archives. Or guys, just enter Peter into the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Peter, thank you for being so generous with your time, your experience, your expertise. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Thanks so much, John, and all your listeners. Have a great holiday.
Fire Nation, if you're interested in creating your own podcast, then I'd love to invite you to join me as I share some of the most successful techniques and tactics I use here at Entrepreneur on Fire during our live Podcasters Paradise webinar. In addition to sharing my best practices, I'll also give you a sneak peek behind the scenes so you can see exactly what the Paradise community has to offer. Claim your spot at our live podcast workshop today at podcastersparadise.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. Ignite.